0: looking at your comedy um, video the, the YouTube video yeah just going over that again and yeah, you know, I went through my whole thing with the British Bigfoot researching it going looking at so many locations mulling it over in my mind again and again is it possible could it be possible even wrote a little blog on the Doggerland bridge and uh-huh. maybe this is how you know they got here if they are here and uh, which was shot down by a few people. And I thought, well, you know, we had bears and wolves once too. They didn't swim, did they? Yeah. Um, so it's plausible, it's possible and all the rest well, of Well, it's, it's
1: how people got into Britain, so,
0: you know. <laughs> yeah, they also got here. Um, yeah. the, I mean, there's so many animals that just couldn't make that crossing. We don't think about, we're just thinking about the ones we, we can't prove. But the, the reason I mention it is because during that whole time, whenever I had a big um doubt about whether it could be a reality in this country your sighting would always be the thing i would reference and say well actually uh-huh. yeah i really believe this lady it's such a convincing sighting and i've always really liked it but i'm aware that a lot of other people probably don't know about that sighting so could you tell us a little bit you know, how it happened all the the background where it was etc
1: yeah so it, it happened up you know in kirmaili which is up in uh angus it's uh-huh. a north of Dundee Um, so it's kind of up about eight miles inland from where Arbroath is on the east coast so it was kind of it was back I reckon it was probably kind of 79 1980 something like that Uh because I was about kind of seven eight years old um, at the time so yeah basically the main sighting it was it was during the day and I was out, I was up at my grandparents and basically we were out, I was out with the dog. Um, likely I was going down to the neighbours. We used to go and pick up newspapers from the neighbours mm. that lived down the road. So that's more than likely what I was I was doing. So where my grand's house is, um, it's along a, a track and one of the the little driveway kind of tracks is a bit curved and, and so that leads down onto this track, which then leads onto a wee kind of farm road, basically. Uh-huh. And um so I was kind of coming down this wee curved track with the dog and the dog just, she just stopped in her track. She just stopped dead and started kind of, she was growling and whining and her mm. hackles were up and I still remember it so clearly, you know, it's... it's um, and I just kind of, at the time, I I remember seeing that, but I just kind of kept going past her because it was probably running as as, mm-hmm. as I did when I was younger, not anymore, but <laughs> and um, just looked up all uh, along the track, and there was just this big black figure standing in the track, um, and it had its back to me, and it was just this large black figure. I mean, I used to kind of describe it, because I didn't know about Bigfoot obviously back in those days, Mm -hmm. there was no kind of internet and stuff, so I I used to describe it as it looked like a gorilla, but it was upright and it wasn't like hunched over. Because I remember it being like absolutely black and no neck. It didn't look like a person. It looked Mm -hmm. like you know, just that kind of shoulders, head, shoulders thing. It was really kind of really stocky figure. And I think to me then it was quite big because i was probably quite small but i just remember just in shock i just stood there i mean i was just kind of in shock for however long probably not more than a few seconds and then just kind of screamed and and ran back up to to the house um i mean it was standing i remember it it was standing with its back to me and it basically it had there's ash trees on the the path and it had a branch that had bent down and it was just looking at the leaves on this ash branch so when i screamed the arm comes down and it starts to kind of turn to its right just kind of to look behind it and i i was i was off i never yeah. saw its face um I mean it, it you know the prospect of what its face was like was probably something that haunted me for a long time <laughs> as, a, as a kid you know what I mean you can kind of really scare Absolutely.
0: yourself yeah. I'm, I'm sure you could imagine all kinds of things yeah. for years after then so as you're yeah. coming down the path it was off to to the left of you how far away from you do you think it was when you well,
1: saw it now I know I mean I've done I've gone back obviously I mean I mean we still own that house like the family still has oh. that house my my grandparents have passed away now but um we you know so I you know I can go up there I've been up there I've measured the distances I had my brother as a stand-in and Mm -hmm. measured one the distance between where I was roughly standing and where it was so it was about 30 meters so it wasn't that far away that's
0: pretty close
1: and I measured how high it looked because there was a cottage on that track and it was standing kind of next to that and so where its head seemed to its head seemed to stop just below where the gutterings were on the okay on the roof so i measured that and it was kind of about two meters you know roughly two meters so um and as i say it was broad daylight it must have been either late spring or early summer and um yeah so there was nothing fleeting about this there was nothing kind of you know it wasn't hidden at all it was blatantly there in the middle of Mm. this track in the middle of the day just doing what it was doing you know
0: and And, the area I'm guessing it's very underpopulated area
1: uh, it used to be I mean it's more populated now Um, back then there was there was that cottage there was my grandparents cottage and then along the other side of that track there was two joined-up cottages, so at that time there was only four people, and then there was there's a couple of farms in the vicinity, you know, kind of further, kind of a mile or two, and at that time it was all very heavily forested with Sitka spruce, so the, the spruce came right up to the tracks, it was just like fields worth of this stuff. Um, it's all gone now. I think on my video there is a picture that I found, an aerial picture of the cottage, and it shows you that you know, it was all wooded Mm -hmm. you know so yeah it could be quite
0: a creepy place especially kind of after that yeah sure i mean you must have spent time there after as well years afterwards did you ever have to walk that road again alone
1: um yeah i mean you just had to kind of i suppose as a As a kid, I don't know. I mean, you always kind of like, well, it was dismissed, obviously, by the adults who were saying, no, no, it was a neighbour or whatever. And it was just just bloody wasn't a person, never mind a neighbour. And um, the way the dog reacted, if it was a neighbour, she wouldn't have behaved like that. You know what I mean? It was just a strange thing. So, but you had to keep, you know, I was up at my grandparents a lot and you just, you always wondered what the hell was that? But you never knew. Um, So you just kind of, what's interesting is, yeah, I went up there years and years and years. And then when I went up, once I'd done, started researching this, when I went up, it was um, with this in mind, I actually was shaking. I went and stood on the track where I'd Uh stood. And I remember physically shaking. It was like a real kind of almost a panic Reaction is like re- reliving it to some extent um I made myself go into the woods and up around the quarries and everything I am mm. absolutely crapping it to be quite honest with you, but I just felt that I kind of had to face that if you like it was it's
0: very brave I mean that's classic yeah. trauma response yeah
1: yeah well,
0: i i yeah. when I uh listened to the sighting on on chris's elusive documentary or on your video uh-huh.
1: um.
0: It's it's full of those small um, trauma-based details, you know, unnecessary yeah. details that you can't forget because they're part of the sighting. I yeah. was used to say to people, uh, if somebody reported, uh, it used to be this way. Everybody knows I'm looking for these details now. But if somebody reported, you know, three or four different random details of their sighting, pre and post, that uh, are unnecessary to the sighting, that to me sort of it means that it's stuck in your mind. Those are the details you can't yeah. forget. Cause it has yeah
1: it's it's hard to be consistent I mean because I've obviously I've interviewed witnesses as well and I've gone mm-hmm. and done a little bit of field research based on sightings up here and things yeah. as well and obviously I used to get quite a few emails from people and stuff and or sent to me by Debbie Hatswell, you know if they were kind yeah. of from Scotland and some people are just you just can't doubt them they're just so yeah. specific it's mm-hmm. just the details as you say these little details all these little weird things that they mention mm. and i think people who are trying to hoax can't do that yeah. because they haven't seen what they're claiming to see so they can't describe it you know it's like yeah. you can't describe something in great detail unless you've actually seen it so so yeah it's quite yeah there's it's all these little things i mean I remember, like, I mean, looking back, I'm like, there was never any sheen coming. Like, you know, you'd kind of expect something that was like that had fur or hair or something. You'd expect some kind of. I remember I was thinking it was just so black, absolutely Uh like a hole in the world kind of level black. It was just.
0: We're talking matte, not gloss. Pretty much,
1: yeah. Very much. That's a good analogy.
0: yeah. Um, Yeah.
1: So, you know, it wasn't the only time I saw something weird up there. I mean, there was yeah. one night we saw something just up at the... It's up where the entrance to the old quarry is. And we um, were coming up this road to turn onto the track in the car. And there was a big, tall figure up at the top of the road. And it was just standing in the road. Um... So it was kind of a couple of hundred metres up the road from where we were turning in. But, I mean, I remember seeing it. And at the time, it was just like, oh. And you just, you don't dwell on these things when, mm. when you're when you're little. You're just like, all right, okay. But, you know, it, there was, its eyes were reflecting. Like, there was eye shine, you know. And it was kind of orangey-coloured eye shine. And, and it looked like a a greyish colour. You know, it was kind of this kind of, Grayish color. I've said a silvery color before, but people mm. get the wrong impression. So it was just more of this kind of this this greyish and it was just standing there, this really tall
0: figure. Is this and dusk? A, a dusk? No, this, was this wasn't nighttime. Daytime. A nighttime. So this really must tall. have been. So the lights caught it. The car lights caught it, as you.
1: Yeah, basically. Yeah. So it's you know just before the car turns right as we're uh-huh. kind of headed. You know, there's this figure way up the road, and it's just standing there, and it was you know you're just now. I'm like, well, I know that human eyes don't. Do that, and I, mean, yeah. I grew up in the countryside. So if you kind of you're driving up the road and someone is out in the dark, say walking the dog or something, you don't get eye shine off them.
0: You know what I mean? No, so, I mean we we can't do that. We yeah. don't have the we don't have the capacity. Um, and no. I suppose really growing up in those areas, you know, if you had a big red deer staring back at you, you're gonna figure out that that's what that is really yeah, quick, yeah. aren't you?
1: Yeah, and deer um, don't or, tend to uh, hang about unless you could see the human figure. You mean? Yeah. Know
0: what I mean, exactly. you can see it. I mean, these are so... classic questions, aren't they? They're classic rebuffs. You saw a deer, but somebody like you that's essentially at least got one foot firmly planted in the countryside. Yeah. You're not going to mistake a deer for something else.
1: No, You're not going to mistake was... a cow,
0: you know, a wandering no. cow for um, no. a big hairy no. man no. <laughs> standing. No,
1: no, they're fairly you? distinctly different. Yeah. You know? yeah. And, and um, yeah, so, and also there was another instance at some point because i think you know these things went on over years and you know we did hear something up in the woods one day when we were out we used to go out and pick wild raspberries and stuff and Mm. there's a gooseberry bush a wild gooseberry bush and we'd go up and visit that and kind of pick the berries and that so i was with a couple of adults i was with my auntie and one of her friends and i think my brother one of my brothers was there um so and we heard this call back in the woods and it was like now you know I'm kind of like fuck it's like the Ohio calls or you know it's like that
0: Mm.
1: long drawn out it it wasn't a cow or something you know Mm. I mean it sounded like it was almost a human call but it was a bit deeper and it was just and I remember them commenting and also it was way back in the woods and they were just like what the heck was that and <laughs> then just carried on just doing what they were doing but I, I always remember that because it was so weird and then you used to just get the sense of being watched up there all the time
0: uh-huh.
1: and you know my sister found odd things up in the woods like a Said it looked like a wee shelter made of of branches and in it there was all these skulls that had been like different um, bird and animal skulls that had been arranged in a semicircle. and they were up in the quarry one day. This is years after I'd seen stuff and the dog that they were with, that was the one that had replaced the one I was with by that time, we're talking Mm -hmm. years down the line, just went mad and then just bolted back to the house for no apparent reason and so there was odd stuff that now they're thinking about it, going, oh, yeah, there was some weird stuff. And we were, because I'm a good seven, eight years older than most of my uh-huh. brothers and sisters. So there was, over those years, I think it was quite a lot of odd things. And...
0: Local legends as well? Or no, uh, no. I
1: think basically farmers and people like that in kind of rural communities, they don't
0: talk about mm. these things. Yeah. People
1: aren't going to speak about stuff like that because it scares them or because they...
0: Your don't... community is very small. You can't afford to be an oddball in the community of 20 yeah. or 30 people, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. So, mean... There is one thing my granny said. Uh, my brother used to care for my granny when she got dementia. Mm-hmm. She she lived up in that cottage until, basically until it became inevitable she had to go into care. So she was really mm-hmm. quite old. and um, But she was sitting out in the porch one day and that looks down, right down the side of the cottage and she said, what's that out there to my brother? And he's going, what are you talking about? She said, that's one of them big ginger beardy rar things she said and I was like, that's a weird thing to say. He says, oh, but she wow. had cataracts and she had dementia. I goes, I know, but why did she say that? You know, he says it was probably the roseberry willow herb. I said it probably was, but why did she say a big ginger beardy rar thing? What, what's that? Yeah, you know, where, where
0: that, that?
1: So it makes me wonder.
0: Had she seen things over the years? I mean, she if you things? saw something, she uh, she must have seen things over time. I find yeah. that with a lot of, and I'm a city boy, I'm from uh, Wales, capital uh-huh. was Cardiff originally, and I I live just on the outskirts of London now. Um, but I've spent lots of time in the country, but I'm not a country, I'm not a country guy. So there's uh-huh. a lot of things I don't understand now. The people I talk to. I notice about them is they generally just sort of brush things off because you could live there you know you could live there so if you're out feeling worried or thinking you've seen something or dwelling on something you thought you've seen all this time that well you've got to live there every day and that's not nice to feel that way so you just kind of say oh it's probably birds or cows or foxes or whatever and you just carry on yeah um and I find it, it there's a similarity in reports uh, with a lot of country people in Australia, too. Yowie reports and in the USA, the yeah. Sasquatch reports, where they say, oh yeah, there's, there's something, there's like a, yeah, I think we saw like a hairy fellow or a hairy guy, or there was some sort of big ape-like creature, but it doesn't really come around. It leaves things now and again. We ignore it. People just yeah. get on with their lives because they've got to live there. And yeah. what are you going to do? You know, Lots, nobody like... even believes it exists. You can't push it out you <laughs> can't call yeah. the police. So, um, I you know, I just wonder about that from your perspective, you know, do you think maybe a lot of underreporting in the UK actually comes down to the fact of it's an embarrassment, to you. you can't mm-hmm. go out telling people you've seen something strange in the woods, even if they're your direct neighbours.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean I think there's a lot to that. Um... You know, it's it's partly because people don't want to think about scary things living in their vicinity because, mm-hmm. you know, and also people don't want to be ridiculed. And I can tell you from experience, when you do speak out about this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. yeah, a lot of the reactions you get are not particularly kind. You know, there's a lot uh-huh. of dismissiveness goes on, you know what I mean? So, um, you know, there's a lot of reasons. And also people might just doubt what they've seen. They might kind yeah. of go yeah sure. I didn't see what i I think I saw so
0: did I have a funny turn you know
1: yeah.
0: am i yeah. lo- losing my mind yeah. yeah should I tell somebody I just saw a hairy man in the forest or sh- should we leave it
1: because <laughs> I, I did tell people and they were just going oh don't be daft but I did mention yeah. it over over the years um you know so when eventually I kind of spoke publicly about it the people that have always known me were going oh you always used to kind of mention that from time to time it's like it's always been in the back of my mind mm. I didn't know what it was that I'd seen you see so it was quite hard to kind of try and explain it to people uh-huh. you mm. know so because the whole research thing like basically the penny kind of dropped it was an accidental thing my son when he Lived with me. He used to like when he was younger. He he was very into his documentaries and things. And I think Animal Planet channel was on, and Finding Bigfoot came on, and it was just mm-hmm. by chance, and that was just on. And I'm watching this, and I'm like, wait a minute, that's really there's an awful lot of parallels with what I experienced when I was a kid. But I was just mm-hmm. like, this can't be happening in Scotland or in the UK. You know what I mean? And then I thought, you know, I'm going to have a look and see if there's been other sightings in scotland and one of the first i came across was um one that was documented up in aberdeenshire back in the the 90s mm-hmm. um and the description of this creature matched kind of what i'd seen you know what i mean and um you know basically it was a case of three guys in the woods and, and basically they, they felt like they were getting watched and then there's this dark this black kind of creature looking at them and i think they Mm -hmm. threw a stone at it they got away in the car and it started to chase the car oh wow and yeah so basically and the description of it is um very very similar to what i had kind of seen interestingly apparently there was an old woman who lived out that way in the kind of it's up near um torfin's up in aberdeenshire and it's Uh all quite or stood up that way. She used to leave food out for it, apparently. Okay. Now, the thing is, I mentioned this. I did a, a lecture a couple of years ago mm-hmm. for a Scottish Paranormal, kind of, for SPI Scotland, where there was the, the yearly paranormal um, conference. And I, I did a lecture on British Bigfoot. And after it, there was a guy from one of the SPI groups up in Aberdeen. And he says, my pal knew that old woman. Wow. So she did exist. It did kind of, there is some <laughs> verification there that, that, that this, you know, this, this kind of, it did, it did actually happen. So I've, I've found a couple up from Aberdeenshire over the years that, and they always talk about this gorilla-type creature.
0: Mm. Mm. And
1: that seems to be the, the, the ongoing kind of, the main way of describing it. So- I think it's
0: very encouraging with the, a lot of the British Bigfoot reports what first attracted me to them is that nobody was saying Bigfoot. Yeah. Um. Because that wouldn't be a really a common or popular subject here. No. And uh. Yeah. Nobody was saying Bigfoot. You know, upright orangutan or like a big chimpanzee on two legs, sort of like a gorilla with a a, a man's nose and yeah. a flat face. Yeah. Something like that. Um. Did you ever read the one I posted from the primate keeper that worked in the zoo for thirty-seven years? He'd gone to um, Abernethy Forest in Straspey. Right. Um, with his brother in 2012, they were they were hunting. Up there. Well, uh-huh. they were hunting rabbits with like air rifles. Yeah. They were wild camping, and one morning they went out very early, and he noticed this. He's about five two, five three. He's not a big guy, and he noticed this big black creature hunched over a blackberry bush about fifty feet away. Again, jet mm-hmm. jet black, as you described. And um, you know, he was kind of shocked. Uh, it obviously heard them, put its head to the side, and. Just, stood up he said it was about seven feet tall thereabouts and he said as a primate keeper what he thought he was looking at was an ape but one he'd never seen before uh-huh. it's a kind of like an older bonobo chimpa with a flat muzzle you know yeah. um, and a nose of sorts but a very flat muzzle and but a huge gorilla like body
1: uh-huh
0: in man form you know prime yeah, yeah. And he was shocked, and he said, it looked at him, he said, load his air rifle, like, that's going to do anything, load his air rifle. And the creature looked at him for maybe a minute, maybe less, you know, it seemed like a minute, and just turned and, and walked away. Yeah. Um. He turns around, you know, to say to his brother, oh, my goodness, you know, what the hell was that? His brother's gone run off to the car <laughs> <laughs> he gets back to the car all the pack, their camping gear is almost packed up and ready to go it's he's packing as you would you know you're camping while well, camping a few fields away and you know yeah. that's out there you you would get out of there even I think I, I would like to obviously get the proof and discover one but um, I've been in many situations that's never happened to me I've never had a sighting but in Scotland as well, I've been in a few situations where I've been alone in some forests and thought to myself, getting that being watched kind of feeling. Yeah. And those forests, especially the pine, uh, it's really just dead quiet, isn't it? Yeah. So dead quiet. And just thinking to myself, okay, well, if you're going to have a sighting now, you can't get away from it. You've no choice. You're stuck with it. <laughs> Until you get four <laughs> hours down the mountain or the hill or whatever. You know, this is, this is your lot now. Do you really want this? Yeah. And and it's been 50-50 every time.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I've kind of tried to sort of, as I say, I used to do a bit of field research and it's like, yeah, you're going out looking for something you don't really want to find.
0: Mm. Exactly. You know,
1: because it isn't, I mean, some people go, oh, you're so lucky. That would be amazing. You're like, Mm. it's the most terrifying experience that you can you can have really, you know, it's, it's 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 absolutely terrifying. I don't know anyone who's had a sighting, especially a kind of close up one who mm. said it was wonderful. No, you know I mean, what I mean? So. It's like serious brown trousers time, you know what I mean? It's, <laughs> exactly. it's just not wonderful. So yeah, to go out looking is a bit probably a bit insane, you know. Um
0: especially with a creature like that. I mean, would you want to to, to find a hidden population of brown bears in the UK if you came yeah. up on one the animal's going to make a decision about what to do about you and vice versa right yeah the individuals in that situation i know, I know it's culture zoology is great i mean it was exciting I've, I've listened to it time and time again and there's just so much in it that says to me this this happened this is a real thing and also it has elements to it that you would not have known as a child mm-hmm. corroborative with the north american sasquatch or uh, yeah. yeah the european russian almastia and any of those things you couldn't have known it no Yet yeah, there was
1: yeah well that's it you know i mean i've had you know a lot of people said oh you were just seeing things it's like mm. explain that you know are you suggesting that i had childhood psychosis because i didn't yeah. okay you know it's i'm actually a psychiatric nurse so i do know oh, a yeah. fair okay. bit about mental health yeah so okay. you know what's interesting is and in all the people i've asked who've worked in acute mental health wards and all this kind of thing. I was like, has anybody, anybody ever had a delusion about seeing a big hairy man in the woods? And they're going, no, it's always aliens, government conspiracies, mm. you know, being followed by the FBI, you know, all these yeah. kind of mad paranoid things. No one in Britain that I know of has ever pitched up to a mental health ward saying, I've, I've seen a big yeah. hairy
0: man in the woods. You I know have what I mean? not heard it's, that. I mean, the only, uh, I suppose... Uh, on the delusional side of things or perhaps on the attention-seeking side of things when there are certain problems, mental oh. health issues, from that perspective, I've had, had quite a few interactions of that nature. Uh, and it, it seemed to be quite clear, actually. Um, yeah. I only want, There's only one or two times that I've actually been fooled is because I realized that from the mental health perspective, this individual or these individuals, they were convinced of the lie they span at that time. They,
1: mm-hmm. So
0: it was that perspective. And later it kind of unraveled and that's fair enough if you're facing those issues you know that's something else. yeah, yeah I, I, in fact i often say to people that uh i do ask them if they have a mental health condition when they report a sighting to me i'm very quick to point out that that doesn't necessarily mean it's invalid yeah you know is it outside of the uh, what you would expect with your normal mental health condition you know if you're paranoid schizophrenic it's a completely Outside of the bounds of what you would normally experience. If so, let's talk about it, you know, maybe there's something in it But uh, yeah, it's um, it's a different territory. So good. So you can validate yourself there. You're not crazy. You're not um, Suffering in any way. That's good. Um now in regards to your research, obviously you said you um, Hadn't been very active with with that Mm -hmm. in that regard recently What were your what were your feelings about the community at large? And I don't mean anything disparaging but in relation to, to how the community operates, uh, in particular with these sticks and stones and all the, you know, yeah. the endless pictures of um, treeside that we get out there. Yeah. What are your perspectives I mean, on that?
1: Occasionally, people come across something that's genuinely unusual, but yes. there's an awful lot of stuff that's natural that is misrepresented. And I mm. think. Part of that might come with how how familiar they are with this, what you would typically find. Um, or, you know, it's kind of that, um, it's basically kind of observational bias because you're wanting to find something that means something, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I, I don't know. I think as with a lot of the paranormal scene, the the amount of critical thinking that goes on is not always as it should be, which is a bit frustrating. Yeah. And it's not easy to challenge in a way that doesn't start a fight so it's, yeah. it's it, and also it's very difficult to kind of unless you're in the situation like I've taken photographs and I've had people post my photographs on a forum and say there's a big in this and you're like no there isn't mm-hmm. and they're going yeah there is it's here big yeah. and you're like someone actually did this with one of my photographs a couple of years back and it was a photo of uh, it was taken in a, a small copse up in the Pentland Hills, just a, a mile or two away from, from here, because um, I'm in Edinburgh. at you moment, know, uh. so Basically, I was up there and I'd taken some photographs up there and someone got back to me and said, there's a big foot here, you haven't spotted it. And they, they, there was a wee shadow behind this tree trunk. And I was like, yeah. no, that, <laughs> that, that tree trunk was about four metres away. That that shadow is probably about a foot tall. Yeah, like, wrong? And you're like, but I was there. I took the foot. Yeah. can't. Always get a clear picture of what what people have really seen, unless the footage is really really good.
0: I mean, amazing. Um, I have to be the
1: Then you, you do get odd things now and again. I mean, I don't know if you've seen the other video that I've got on my YouTube channel about the X structure that I found on a deer fence up in
0: Angus. Uh, no, I haven't seen that.
1: Right. So I was up there basically. I'd had a sighting uh, sent to me and. It's, it was up near Kirrymuir, which isn't that far from where I come from. So I thought, do you know what? I'm going to go up. And it was very detailed again. It was very kind of sort of specific about what, what had happened. And basically, a big black figure had been seen jumping back into the tree line as these people were driving along this road. And um, so I'd gone up to the area and then I went up twice. First time I went up, it was just, it wasn't even a big piece of woodland. And, and it was in this, and it was just, weird and creepy and there wasn't a sound and it was just Mm. odd it wasn't even pine woods it was just like normal indigenous kind of forest and just a really odd vibe to it and i went back up a second time a couple of weeks later and everything just felt completely normal and we were walking Mm. along the road and just under just in the tree line on the inside of the wood one side of the deer fence it was a big x structure so it was two Dead looked like trunks of younger trees or something mm-hmm. that kind of length and kind of kind of radius you know and but what was striking about it was like they were up against the deer fence in an X, but then a live ash sapling had been used and woven round them to keep them in place.
0: So I've got that.
1: There is video footage of that on the YouTube channel. That's
0: that's very interesting.
1: That was really, that's unusual. That's something that you're like, okay, that's not a natural. Mm. That's just, that's not happened naturally. I don't know. I can't say it was, you know, it could have been someone. It might not have been anything.
0: Sure, sure. But But it
1: certainly was unusual. Um, But I think you could drive yourself mad if you kind of,
0: you can. I mean, I, I did that little documentary with Chris re- recently, and it was, it was only out of frustration, really. Well, we, I don't know if you saw it. We were talking about stick structures and, and things like that. Yeah. We were up in Galloway Forest Park, and, and the reason I went there, actually, is because I assumed there wouldn't be any stick structures there because it's, it's you know, it's pine uh, plantation forest. Yeah. It's uh, thick with moss, you know, like two feet of moss, and it's wet and full of... Um, of ticks and all kinds of unpleasant things. Yeah. I assumed there would be very little while camping up there or bushcrafting and I was I was right and sure enough I didn't see any of the stick structures around that we see yeah. all across the country in these other types of forests. And I was just trying to make the point then that you know here we are without, uh, with the absence of well, human absence in the sense of people messing around, kids in forests yeah. and bushcrafters, and there's no stick signs, and yet you know, come a little further away, back to where there's more people, and here they are again. And I guess the point I was trying to make was, it doesn't mean that stick signs on anything, but they're not something in themselves. No, without they're not evidence. definitive mm.
1: kind of evidence in any way. And you're right. I mean, I was I went up to um, Weem up near Dunkeld. It was actually to go and speak to a woman who'd had a really interesting experience you uh-huh. know um and that day had gone up into part of the forests up there because there have been long-standing reports of people getting followed by shadowy figures and there is a lot of local tales weem is actually gaelic for caves so there uh-huh. are cave systems up there and just all sorts of odd local tales over the years of of, of things going on and basically um you know, there, you're, you're up there and there's all sorts of odd-looking stick structures, but really it was all bushcrafting. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you, if you haven't seen what bushcrafting kind of stuff looks like, you could be forgiven for thinking that it's something that it, it yeah. isn't.
0: It's happened but, to me. It's happened to me in the past. Yeah, me and Christian yeah. went through a whole forest right from the very basic stuff, which we figured out later must have been where the kids practiced all the way through this forest, it's down here, near near, sorry, till we got to this, these great big structures tied with like, green rock and everything. We're like, oh God, okay. Yeah, this is clearly, this is a big bushcrafting activity center of some kind out in the woods. And we just slowly graduated through it. And look, I I don't think it's impossible. I've seen some things in the US, for example, where the, the, the structures are just too huge. Yeah. for a couple of people out in the woods to put together although it's not to say it's impossible because men have constructed you know bigger things in more um arid circumstances than that before but generally speaking yes there must be something to it but my Main issue is why aren't people checking? Like, if a big three, four hundred pound creatures put a bunch of sticks together, where are the footprints? Why aren't you checking yeah. for those? Or, it's um, that kind of thing, or scan. Really,
1: yeah. I mean, I agree. I think you could spend all day photographing bits of stick mm. and you're not any further forward. And, um, it, yeah, it's, it's things like footprints and, and these kind of things. And you know, the more tangible stuff you know what I mean and it's 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 obviously not easy to I was actually speaking to somebody about all this the other day and they were going well how come no one's found them it's that old argument and you're just because yeah. basically no one goes looking you know yeah. what I mean it's not something you, you, you do he says well you know what with game cams and drone cameras and I said do you know how much this stuff costs And it's something yeah. that is quite frustrating it's we can't get a concerted effort together to yeah. pull our tech and to do something you that can't. would actually maybe yield results you know no you one's can't. got the the time or or the money to to do that and i think the only way to really kind of achieve something would be to get an organized effort together but based on proper research principles as well yes,
0: proper scientific mm. research principles and look i i'm sorry to jump in there again but like, i uh-huh. think that's completely right there's an example of it that's happened again recently so there's a Loch Ness live cam that's yeah, yeah. got all these sightings coming in. I think one of the Irish fellow Owen McFagan's on about 10 now at the moment. And it's about, it looks like it's about a quarter of a mile or something like that, Maybe perhaps yeah. less, from the Loch's Edge. It's been there. If you go on the website that's running it, I think Mika Takala owns it. It's full of advertising, chock full of advertising. Now you go on the YouTube running clip that's going on the whole time, chock full of advertising. So whoever's running it... It's making some reasonable money. People are on it day and night, day and night.
1: Yeah.
0: And yet, you know, sighting after sighting of indistinguishable blobs are coming in from this, this uh, whatever it is, quarter of a mile away. And nobody's thought, obviously somebody has, but nobody's bothered to just put a bit of cash together and stick it a little closer to the water's edge. Like, we can't even do that. And Loch Ness, what's to get 250,000 visitors? Yeah, there's money there. It brings millions to the tourist port. Yeah. How about like a whole host of live webcams all around the loch that you yeah. can broadcast to the world? They're not going to do it. One, because I think we'd be seeing a lot of boats, yeah, <laughs> and <laughs> swans or whatever. And two, because somebody's got to foot the cash and put it together and put themselves out. And there is no community essentially. If you or I said, let's go and get like a national game cam sort of project going on for Bigfoot, yeah. we'd it wouldn't fly.
1: No, it's uh yeah, yeah. It, yeah. I don't know, and and as with all these communities, people have this an amazing ability to fall out with each other really quickly as well. So.
0: Yeah, <laughs> so I won't even yeah. It's, yeah, um,
1: yeah, and also I've got a bit of a, a moral dilemma with all this nowadays. and like, if these things, and I think you know, if they're around and they are this sensitive to human yeah. activity, if we're going tromping into their areas they're just going to move, they're going to move and, yeah. and just going to keep kind of intruding and are we actually doing a good thing
0: here? I wonder, I wonder.
1: To, to what end as well, you know, so, mm. um, I mean, it's fascinating and it's a good excuse to get out in the hills and things, but at the same time, I'm like, I don't know if actively going out into areas where we think that are active is actually you know, ethically, is this this okay to do? Because we don't have the greatest track history of um, being good for other species.
0: No, I've wondered about it a lot. Um, Fortunately, I think regardless of how good the footage was that we collected, any of us would be dismissed and immediately um, um, our personalities, our, our lives would be, our characters would be assassinated. Yeah. if we were to prove, uh, prove or provide any of it and so I think there's no real chance of anybody taking it seriously even if we found yeah. it um, and that's happened time and time again I saw the, the Jeff Meldrum talk in in Maine when he was there and I was doing uh-huh. a talk there and he had the original Patterson Gimlin footage I think from the relatives and he'd restored it and you know uh, stabilized it and it looked amazing you know the yeah. muscles moving beneath the, the yeah. fur and the whole thing that would, the gate and he was talking about evidence of other evidence photographic and film evidence and he said this is highly disputed worldwide and it's the best evidence we had he said any evidence less than this is no evidence at all yeah as far as film and photographic evidence goes anyway and i thought that's a really that's a really good point actually mm-hmm. you know the fact that you're Witnesses saw your photo can draw a red circle um, around the bush that you've photographed and say, there it is. Yeah. No. I mean, it's, <laughs> if, no. uh, yes. So, I mean, what what's your idea? Do you think they should be left alone? That would be your preference, or at least you, you, you have an inkling that really it's for their own good that they should be left alone since they've not been discovered this whole time. But you know, what if they were discovered? I mean, what would you like to see happen? when they create protected habitats, in places Um, like Scotland and elsewhere.
1: Yeah, I don't know how easy that would be to do. I think, I mean, I don't know. I mean, we're already kind of reforesting. I think, Mm. like Scotland, there's quite a lot of rewilding projects seem to be starting up and things like that. Because part of me thinks, well, God, you know, think about how much woodland we chopped down during the days of empire to build boats Mm. and all this and during the wars and stuff. And we probably almost wiped them out as it was because we don't know they're there. So there's another side to if we could prove they exist, we could perhaps protect them. Um, Or would it just cause lots and lots of people to kind of go out into their habitats and. and, Looking for them. Yeah. So in a way, you know, you could argue both sides. But yeah, I mean, ultimately, yeah, if it was ultimately proved, then we would have to do something protective if if
0: you know what i mean so yeah yeah well my studies seem to indicate that they'd currently be protected under the wildlife act that we have
1: mm-hmm.
0: um if they were proven to be a species which, which seems quite unlikely um on that note actually a lot of people complained to me outside of the uk that there isn't enough space or enough wild <laughs> space in the uk uh for such creatures to to wander around unseen and um i often point out to them for instance that in scotland only 1.9 percent of the whole land mass is urban sprawl yeah and it's a population of five million yeah thereabouts um so essentially there's nobody around to see them yeah the time and what, what's your opinion on that
1: yeah, definitely. Yeah, I've had, I've been told the same things, like mm. your puny little country could not support, yeah. you know, and you're just like, look, it's bigger than it looks on Google Earth, yeah. okay? And um, it's like, well, they are around, because I've bloody seen them. Also, mm-hmm. other people have, I mean, th- there are enough credible sightings in Britain to go, well, there's something there that seems so. to fit this description. In Scotland, Yeah you know, basically the main populated areas in Scotland are down the coasts and along the central belt. Mm -hmm. So all down the borders, it's very, very kind of rural and a lot of wooded, you know, a lot of forestry, and it's the same up north. I mean, I don't think these things are running about on the top of mountains because they're not hospitable places. I think Mm -hmm. that they, from what I can tell from, like, where sightings have come from, it's like... A lot of scotland is a mixture of farmland and woods and they seem to like these areas like like the glens in scotland like the foothills of the cairngorms there's a Mm. lot of wooded areas there's a lot of kind of and also i was saying to somebody like the other day um who isn't into all this stuff so you kind of get this argument of i said look you know there's a lot of places we don't go there's a lot of, ha- there's a lot of especially up in Scotland, there's a lot mm. of areas that are not very easily accessible. I think, you know, these things are around, I think they have to be nomadic. I think they're highly adaptable. I mean, mm. they weren't always up at Kermaili because that was a working quarry until the early 50s.
0: Okay. And there was no woods up there. Passing uh, through. Eh? eh? Uh, they're passing through.
1: I yeah, think. so I think they probably move from place to place. Um... But yeah, it's like, it's perfectly possible. I just, obviously we don't know how many there are. There can't be many. How nomadic are they? Do they migrate around specific areas or are we talking, do they go the length and breadth of the country? We just don't know. But they are out there because there's just been too many of us that have, have seen these things yeah. over the years. And, um You know, huge parts of of Scotland are, you know, it is very wild and there is, you know, as I say, a lot of wooded areas and, and, you know, they'll get busy for a wee while in the summer when the tourists come, but the rest of the time there's nobody around, you know, apart from in the, the heavily populated regions. But, yeah, if you look at population maps in Scotland, most of it is very remote. It's classed as remote because there's the population percentages tiny you know it's all as the coasts and across across between edinburgh and glasgow that's the
0: i, I definitely think it's uh, not the only landscape in the uk but the, uh, the absolute perfect landscape for something like yeah. this to exist unseen for the most part Look, even where we are down here on the on the borders of surrey when you get into the middle of it, in the South Downs, the um, the whole areas of natural beauty, that there's again, there's nobody around, and we drive yeah. up on motorways and we we take our railways and we see the hills stretching off into the the distance, and we think, oh well, that's all there is. We don't realise that at the side of the view, outside of the view of that road or that railway or whatever else, it's even further. It goes on and on and on and on. Mm-hmm. And similar to yourself, one of the things I used to say to some American colleagues and some other people is that yes, it's a small country, but not when you're walking. Yeah. You know, not on foot. <laughs> it's just small yeah, it's a lot bigger when you're map.
1: standing in it, yeah.
0: Yeah, and you've got a it's still the same environment that you've got to navigate, you know, and you could get lost and never be found again in many places here. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so I think it's 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 plausible. Um any advice? Any any ideas on how people should you know try to research is that this try to get a sighting, try to get close to one of these things? The berries seems to be a regular feature, for example.
1: The, say that again, the, sorry.
0: The, the berries, eating berries, and areas right. that have yeah. lots of berries. So your your family members heard one where they were out picking gooseberries, is that right? Yeah, gooseberries. My white, white, saw one with blackberries. Berries. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. And then, obviously, brambles in the in the autumn and things. But
0: uh-huh.
1: I think you've got to find an area where, you know, either there's been sightings or there's, you know, kind of a, a history of odd stuff that might match mm-hmm. the kind of criteria that, that would suggest that something's there. You find an area, you stick to that area, That's you go to the same place over and over and over again. Ideally, live in it, but, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of, randomly going out on the odd occasion to one place and then another and then another you're never going to find anything and so you need to kind of pick your spot and get to know it and if possible get some game cams up that leave them up for a good long time like months and months and months Mm -hmm. Um, find, you know, if there's been kind of activity or or kind of signs of you know, if you kind of suspect that some place is a likely spot then get a game cam up and see I mean That's all you can really do. I mean, buy lots and lots of game cams if you can afford them and get them (laughs) around and about. But um, I think you need to kind of pick an area and stick with it rather Mm. than, you know, and... um,
0: Perhaps that'll acclimatise to you, I guess is is what you are saying. yeah, Yeah,
1: yeah. But I think unless you're actually living in an area where there is activity, your chances of kind of coming across something are pretty slim. It's yeah. it's accident that creates these sightings when people don't live where these things are. It's accident.
0: It seems yeah. to be 90, 98, 99% or more, it's always people who had no intention of seeing one, yeah. didn't know what they saw when it happened, yeah. and often never saw it again. You know, it looked like yeah. you were a child when these things happened, um, and you've been out since, looking. I often wonder yeah. if looking looks like hunting these yeah. creatures of um, creatures, possibly predators of, of other small mammals, perhaps just being or being sort of blissfully unaware in a bright yellow t-shirt, you know, playing music in the forest. Yeah. <laughs> or I, think, the Maybe I that's, think, I mean,
1: these things know. are curious about people. I mean, you've got to remember when I saw what I saw, I was up there all the time. You mm. know, I spent half my childhood up there. So the chances of me seeing something are greatly maximised by just simply being in the area Mm -hmm. all the time. Um, Some of the sightings I've had from people who live somewhere where something's going on, these things seem to be curious.
0: Mm. They're
1: not, you know, so if you're around and you're constantly there, they might get a bit curious about you. You might have a better chance of actually seeing something or something happening. But, yeah, if you're just kind of some stranger randomly wandering around the woods, you're just going to be avoided. Because mm. I mean, it's not like we're, we're not like ninjas. You can see and hear people coming for miles. <laughs> me, for
0: sure. I mean, you can see, again, see me, and I'm guessing they could probably smell me coming for several miles.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I'm not particularly careful. When I've gone out, I've always actually made an effort to make a noise.
1: Yeah.
0: Essentially, because I don't believe you can sneak up on one of these things. So I'm, I'm trying no, to I be, know. as you say, an object of curiosity yeah and um, and seem very very sort of mild and and light and uh, non-aggressive
1: uh, yeah
0: which does seems to come to me naturally so <laughs> it's yeah one of these things um, just before we go if you were to see one today mm. uh, or tomorrow or on your next joint out from behind again would you want to see the face oh I've asked myself
1: this question I don't know yeah I don't know um yeah I really really don't know yeah it's it's just the thought of it kind of terrifies me slightly um yeah I have asked myself that question because part of me thinks yes because then I'd know properly what you know I was looking at in another way it's like no because then it's 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 I've been you know it's it's looking at me it's spotted me you know what I mean it's kind of like I don't know um I yeah I don't know that's that's a that's yeah. a difficult
0: one to be to be, to be continued I guess yeah. let's say maybe the next time we speak maybe it would have happened and maybe you would have said yes let's take a look at the face and um yeah I, I mean I'd love to obviously I'd love to but um know, yeah, who knows if it'll ever happen and i yeah, most definitely will be brown trousers time you know I, it's a guarantee yeah. i take extra pants to every expedition <laughs> <laughs> that's that's my sensible. philosophy yeah. <laughs> extra pair of pants with every expedition carried out <laughs> <laughs> We yeah, done?
1: well, I'm thinking of kind of getting back out. I mean, I, I don't have a car at the moment. Um, I mean, I stopped doing field research a couple of years back. Um, within the space of three months, my car died and couldn't ever be revived again. I couldn't afford a new one. My phone went and my computer broke. Okay. So basically within three months, I was, it was like being grounded by the universe. Awesome.
0: So, awesome.
1: so that was a couple of years back. But now I'm like, well, okay. I've got the time I don't work shifts as a nurse now and things okay. I have a, a better uh, job I've kind of got a Monday to Friday so and I'm a bit better paid than I used to be so kind of resources wise I'm kind of thinking I wouldn't mind getting yeah. back out and um, actually nice. going and camping in an area for a couple of days and doing that kind of stuff I think you need to kind of
0: absolutely absolutely I mean as soon as they um, open Scotland back up to to us southerners, we yeah. um, me and Chris, we do intend to come up and, and have a look about. So, you know, if you're around, we'd, we'd love to meet up with you and just yeah,
1: that'd be great. Yeah, take a
0: look yeah. at the area. I think that'd be fantastic. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Just yeah. let me know and yeah, when,
0: you know, when we're all allowed
1: back out again,
0: yes, once we're allowed back up, you know, we will be social distancing. Um, my wife said something funny just before we go actually about social distancing. She's not English, she's not from this country when they they started it, the social distancing, the whole lockdown oh, wow. thing, she said, finally, and you'll find this funny as a Scottish person, finally, the English will see that they've been social distancing all along. <laughs> 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 and really, as far as I can see locally, there's been very few adjustments that have had to be made to accommodate it. Um, Anyway, but we won't be when we come up. We'll be very happy to see you. Uh, Charmaine, thank you so much. You've been really awesome. And thank you for sharing all that amazing, amazing uh, experience with us.
1: You're welcome. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for talking to me. Grand.